G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, you might have caught a recent headline that read, Global Atheist Convention Cancelled Due to Lack of Interest. Well, apparently ticket sales were substantially below expectations. It was scheduled to be held in February next year and organised by the Atheist Foundation of Australia. There was quite a lineup of speakers. Salman Rushdie, the author of the Satanic Verses, was slated as the headline speaker, with Richard Dawkins and British author and physician Ben Goldacre was to be part of the lineup. Local speakers included Jane Caro, Peter Fitzsimons, Tracy Spicer, and Clementine Ford. Well, let's get some impressions from Robert Martin from the City Bible Forum about the cancellation of that atheist convention and the state of atheism in Australia. Robert Martin, welcome back to 2020. Well, thanks for having me. Well, Robert, uh, the last one of these conventions was held back in 2012 and it was wildly successful. What do you think's gone wrong since 2012 up to the present with the atheists in Australia? Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I think there's a variety of reasons. I actually attended the 2012 uh, convention, and I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to the, the quality and popular speakers that they had, and I was actually looking forward to the 2018 convention. But I think what I noticed is that the world is different in, in some senses from 2012, which was when the first convention was held. Uh, I think that uh, there was a couple of reasons I think the convention failed uh, or that they didn't have the degree of interest. And I think partly was due to the speakers that they chose. Uh, in 2012, they, it was really riding the crest of the wave of interest in what I think is popularly termed as the new atheism. Uh, so this was a, a group of writers like Richard Dawkins, uh, Sam Harris, Daniel Dennett, uh, Christopher Hitchens, the late Christopher Hitchens, um, uh, Peter Singer, uh, um, Lawrence Krauss, etc., who were all, in some respects, leading this sort of protest against what they saw as the excesses and the irrationality of religion. Uh, and, that, and 2012 really was the, the, the sort of the crest of that particular interest. I think since then there's been a number of shifts in the, the psyche of modern atheism and of modern atheists, and I really think that what they were trying to do with the 2018 convention was a little bit different, and they noticed it, and noticeably, when you mentioned the, the list of the, the invited guests, you notice that only one of those names that I just mentioned was actually invited to speak again, and I think that was part of the reason that it failed, was that the popularity driven by 2012, uh, the atheist movement at that particular time, was a sort of a popular uh, protest movement, uh, they tried to move atheism into be a, a more of a, a sort of a, a movement for social change, yet I think it misunderstood what the nature of uh, atheism that they had built in the first t- first uh, convention. Uh, they misunderstood that in some ways, and so we're trying to do, make it do something that really people weren't very interested in, and then hence that's why the convention itself was cancelled. So I think 
there are a couple of the thoughts as to why the 2018 convention didn't work and the 2012 one was such a resounding success. Almost I can hear you say, well, there was A-listers in 2012, but in 2018 it would be like B-listers. Uh, the interesting thing, though, Robert, is uh, that some listeners might be thinking, well, who's this guy, Robert, uh, talking about the atheist convention and as a Christian leader and saying, I actually enjoyed it. Are we supposed to enjoy an atheist convention? What's so special about the sorts of things that are talked about at an atheist convention that Christians are so interested in? Well, the thing that I really enjoyed, as I, uh, as I think I mentioned before, is that I enjoyed the exchange of ideas and I enjoyed hearing from the top tier thinkers themselves. So I've read the books of um, Daniel Dennett and Sam Harris, Lawrence Krauss, Christopher Hitchens, sorry, well, I've read Christopher Hitchens, but he obviously had, had passed away before that convention, and Richard Dawkins himself. So for me, it was just a privilege, I just think, to be able to sit and listen to them myself. Now, I vehemently disagreed with a lot of what they said, but I think that in a robust, uh, healthy uh, democracy and a place that we live, I think that we actually should be uh, forced to think and hear from the, the, the thinkers um, themselves rather than... Uh, hearing what we think they said or what somebody else said that they said, we listened to them ourselves. And so I really enjoyed that. Now, as I said, I disagreed vehemently with a lot of what they said and disagreed. But a lot of the things I actually did agree. Some of their critiques, I think, of the failure of religion, I agreed. And, and I mourned at that particular point. And I thought, actually, it's a good point, but it's a fair point. Um, but also, I think I was just stimulated to think, well, why are they wrong? Uh, and how can I articulate a uh, reasoned and a reasonable response um, so I remember uh, listening to, I think, Daniel Dennis at the last convention, and he was talking about how you might be actually, you might not actually be a Christian. But I, when I was listening to it, I thought, well, actually, he's dealing with a very different type of what I call Christianity compared to what I believe, because I think he was speaking about a lot of people who would tick a, a census box saying, well, I believe I'm a Christian, but actually don't believe any of the key doctrines which revealed to me a helpful thing was actually when we're talking about what we think is Christians and atheists, what they think is Christians and what we believe is true Christian believers, actually we're talking about different things. And I think to go to the convention and just to be here that, uh, to get that clarity, I think was a really useful um, uh, experience to actually realize, well, actually, when we're trying to engage with these people, we actually need to first agree on what we're actually trying to discuss. Interestingly, too, when you list all of those books that you've read, I suspect it's the case that many a Christian thinker buys atheist books because they want to know what arguments are being presented against God. So a lot of the people buying books written by atheists are likely to be Christians, aren't they? Some, some are, I think. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons that I bought those books was partly... Uh, it was t partly due to my uh, studies at the time, but it was also driven by a personal interest. As I said, I was studying at Theological College when the new atheism was really at its peak uh, in sort of 2006 to 2009. And I thought, well, I've sacrificed a lot. I've given up a lot. Uh, I had a, a potentially successful career in business and that I had given up in order to do, you know, pursue vocational Christian ministry. I wanted to hear what I thought were the, these, these are the best arguments that atheists have that I'd like to know them because I don't want to commit my life to a lie. So personally, that was for me the, the, my personal journey, and hence that was the reason that I bought these books. And I think that uh, there are a number of Christians who do buy these books, and I would certainly encourage Christian believers to uh, at least engage and understand and read these these types of works so that when we... Uh, we're actually not, not dealing with straw men. We're actually dealing with... We actually read their arguments, read what they say, and 
I believe that the gospel, the Bible, um, has answers. <laughs> and it's actually, uh, sometimes the arguments are, are very, I'm surprised sometimes at how intelligent people can be convinced by such bad arguments, which is, I would say, generally, I don't want to uh, mischaracterize people, but generally describes what I would say as the new atheism. Intelligent people have been convinced by often very bad and quite weak arguments. Uh, Robert, is the new atheism movement something of a protest movement? Could you categorise it that way? And and if it is, uh, there might be some reasons too why it's lost its shine. I absolutely do. I do think it is. A, in, in many senses, it's characterised, I think, as a protest movement. It, it was protesting initially against uh, the impact of what they saw as a religion in the public sphere and the catalyst was the September 11 uh, terrorist attacks in 2001. And so hence that's, that's why the, the timing of the, the rise of the new atheism is so significant, because Sam Harris, in his book, The End of Faith, claims to be writing, he said he began writing this book on the 12th of September 2001. That was the date that he claimed to be writing it. They all refer to this, uh, this mo- moment. And so hence, as I said, the new atheism really began in the, as a series of books that were published from 2004 to 2011. And these books really uh, dr- were driven by the, the protest and the uh, w- and the anger that came from, particularly the September 11 attacks. And so, what they be- what the new atheism, in some ways, it's characterised by it was an aggressive response to what they saw as the uh, irrational and dangerous movement of religion in society, most clearly demonstrated by the uh, September 11 terrorist attacks. So, I think it is a protest movement, which means I think that. This is what this is what the, the challenge with trying to create a convention based on protest uh, becomes problematic when you start trying to go beyond that protest, which I think is, that is part of one of the reasons I think that the 2018 proposed convention failed, because they're trying to take atheism beyond just simply we're angry at religion, shaking our fist at God, even though uh, he's not even there in their minds, which is kind of funny. Uh, but that was one of the things that characterised the new atheism. So I hate God. Um, even though he's not there, which is... Uh, <laughs> well, there is no God and I hate him. I think that's what they say. Uh, well, we'll but, talk some more in just a few moments. Uh, we're talking about the cancellation of the Atheist Convention for next year in Melbourne. And yeah. we're talking about the state of atheism in Australia. Robert Martin from City Bible Forum is our guest. We're back with more in just a few moments. Taking an opportunity to check the pulse of atheism in Australia. Of course, as you know, there was a rise of what was known as the new atheism. Well, there's been a cancellation of the Atheist Convention 2018 for next February and cancellation due to lack of interest. And uh, this is an interesting topic for us to be talking about. Our guest talking through these issues is Robert Martin from City Bible Forum in Melbourne. Uh, Robert, when we talk about the cancellation of this atheist convention and when we talk about some ways a crisis where Christian faith is at the moment too, is there any correlation between the two? Um, Possibly. Uh, I think some might suggest that apathy is now the reigning paradigm in our country that we really don't think much about spiritual things at all and we just try to have as much fun as we can and, and we ignore these questions. And so I think that's one of the things, one of the frustrations that I find. I think one of the, the biggest challenges to running a ministry like I do in the, in the city of Melbourne is just people's disinterest in spiritual things. And I think partly that might also be a reason for the lack of interest in the Atheist Convention as well, that people... 
uh, not really interested in talking about the big questions of life uh, as much as uh, we would like them to. Of course, we need to balance that, don't we? Because if you were contrasting something like the atheist convention to the likes of the success of the Hillsong conferences, uh, well, there is no comparison at all. Hillsong just continues to go from strength to strength, doesn't it? It does. And I think that one of the big differences is, and this is why there's a great irony in the cancellation of the Global Atheist Convention, because the, con- the convention was called Reason to Hope. Now, the irony, of course, is that, well, in, in the atheist worldview, which I've investigated and thought through a lot, um, certainly once you remove any sense of personal hope, so atheism certainly removes a sense of personal hope uh, beyond um, our lives. And so it's ironic that a, a convention aimed to have reason for hope got cancelled, which would indicate that perhaps maybe there's not as much hope in the atheist uh, mind <laughs> as they would like there to think there'd be which contrasts dramatically to the Christian message, and particularly, as you mentioned, the Hillsong conferences and other conventions that go from strength to strength, because, well, there is a message to share. There is a message of hope, and uh, a hope, a message to, that will transcend the particular circumstances of a, a convention being held. I think that so Christians have held that dearly uh, right since the resurrection of Jesus, which gave us a living hope, as 1 Peter told us. Uh, and so, really, there is a reason for hope, and that's why I think Christian conventions will continue to grow and to go from strength to strength, um, obviously change in format and style at different times, but there is actually a reason to hope when the atheist worldview actually provides us with very little. Now, it has been five years since that 2012 atheist convention, which was hugely successful. Do you think there has been a gradual decline since that time in interest in atheism, or is it something that's just gone underground in Australia? Well, I wouldn't say it's gone underground. I'd say that there's probably more atheists around today than there were um, five years ago. So in some respects, I think that there's been a... uh, Well, in our country, there's certainly a great acceptance of being an atheist. It's very different to the US, for example, where it's, uh, it's very difficult to get in the public office by being an atheist, but God really isn't on the agenda in Australian public life uh, hugely. Um, I think atheism, uh, I wouldn't say it's declined, I just think it's changed uh, in, its, uh, in its presence, in its manifestation. So the thing that made, because you've got to ask the question, why would someone, why would an atheist go to a convention about atheism or lack of belief in something? Um, and it's an intriguing question. That's why in 2012 there was a, I felt like there was a reason to gather, partly to hear top-tier thinkers and top-tier speakers, which they didn't invite back in 2018, which I think was a mistake, um, to hear those speakers. But also, you feel like you've actually got a cause to rally behind. We're actually opposing religion. We're opposing the impact that it has in the world. Um, I think that the goal of the 2018 convention was just a little less clear. What, what, what exactly are we rallying behind? Because atheists themselves would say that, well, atheism really is simply a lack of belief in a god. And so beyond that, then there's lots of different options as to how that, um, how that manifests itself or how it becomes clear in public policy, in their attitudes to ethics, et cetera, et cetera. So I think what they were, and so that it becomes, so what you then unites you beyond that becomes problematic. And that's exactly one of the problems I think the atheist movement has faced is that there was a, a, obviously a shift in what they were thinking they were trying to achieve and to what they actually could achieve. Robert, I guess it would be naive 
for uh, anyone to think that all atheists think the same way, uh, there is certainly room for division. I mean, people who are Christians, uh, we're divided on a whole lot of issues and have different opinions. I imagine that atheists are not all on the same page and there's a lot of things that divide them too. And that might be one of the uh, other reasons for some discontent. Oh, absolutely. And I think that was one of the clear reasons for the failure of the 2018 convention, particularly inviting uh, a speaker like Clementine Ford, uh, who is a deeply divisive character, a provocative character in many ways, and I think people respect her for that. But within the atheist movement, uh, when she was announced, it almost ripped the Atheist Foundation of Australia Facebook page in half, because there were many people saying, oh, fantastic, a woman standing up for an atheist feminist. But then there were others, uh, which I think perhaps un- revealed an underlying sense of misogyny within the atheist movement, which I think is unfortunately clear. Uh, and, and, then, and in fact, I heard a quite clearly misogynist joke at the 2012 uh, atheist convention, which I was kind of astonished by because they claim that you know religion, Christianity is misogynist, and yet here was a, an atheist thinker or a comedian making a, a clearly um, sexist joke, which was just I thought was just quite dreadful and in poor taste. But so to have someone like Clementine actually is a divisive character, which shows that you're right, that because atheism, they, they can unite on one core thing, which is, well, we don't believe in God, but how that then manifests itself in the world is very different. And some, you would say, well, uh, pro someone like Clementine Ford, and others would be uh, radically different. But she was in particular one of the most divisive characters that they chose, which unfortunately alienated, for, for the atheist convention, alienated a large number of their core constituents. I think, and that's one of the re- another reason I think that the convention failed. Uh, you're also quoted as saying there is such a thing as anger fatigue. Uh, the idea that once you get angry at something, you've got to have somewhere to go from there, and there might be some challenges there for atheists. Yeah, exactly. Well, as we've talked about, that the I think the uh, new atheism was in some ways a protest movement, or as I said, and, and driven by the catalyst of September 11. And that anger can't last forever because after a while you start realizing, well, actually, the world hasn't imploded or changed the way, uh, ch- changed dramatically from September 11 in the, in the sense of uh, religion um, obstructing and destroying the world, as perhaps some of the New Atheist writers would um, uh, suggest from some of their writings. Um, and so I think once you've got angry for a while, and then particularly if you've been angry, uh, and you've been aggressive about it, uh, that does fade. And then you've got to think, well, what's it going to be replaced by? And it's, I think, something deeper and more sustained. And I think that's where the atheist movement, in some ways, is at the moment trying to, well, many atheists are trying to think, well, what do we stand for? And some have actually reacted against the new atheism, which is another interesting trend in modern atheism, that the sheer aggression and anger that the new atheists uh, have demonstrated, uh, have, have displayed, um, actually, some people have sort of seen that, well, actually, these are the excesses and the worst um, facets of religion that they have riled against in the first place. And so some people have sort of thought, well, the New Atheists actually know better. <laughs> They've actually created the very thing that they riled against in the first place. Uh, and so in that sense, there's been a reaction against the, the aggression and the dogmatism of some of the New Atheist um, people, which again leads to some degree of fluidity and confusion amongst some atheists. You might assume that with the census from the Australian Bureau of Statistics uh, that there is the rise of the nuns, those who mark the box no religion. You might think that somehow or other atheists are becoming more prominent. 
but I wonder whether that other dimension might be brought in here, the idea of I'm not interested in Christian religion, I'm not interested in atheism, I'd rather go shopping instead. Uh, is is that a, a factor, do you think, uh, with the sort of new atheism that is around uh, or where everyone wants to claim the scalps of people and say they must be atheists, but really they're neither? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think to an extent. I, mean, as I, said, I think the thing that united made the rise of atheism, uh, which is the, conven- the 2010 Global Atheist Convention um, title, I think that, again, that made them, united them was this sort of collective distri- uh, dislike of religion and, and r- raised around this kind of protest celebrity movement, which uh, flowed out of that. Once that sort of dissipates, then I think you kind of left with what, what does atheism offer? And I think you end up with where most of the nuns, as you've just mentioned, are, which I think are, are just people who are functional atheists. That well, might believe in a God, might not, doesn't really matter because I just get on with my life and I do what I can. Um, and so that these spirit, as I get, this goes back to the question, the comment we made before about apathy being probably one of the biggest problems is that people just don't think that spirituality or religion or organized religion in particular really doesn't have much of an impact on my life at all. And so uh, hence, whilst the, the, the no religion rises on the census, uh, it's not because of a, uh, unfortunately, it's not because of a reasoned, sought through uh, rigorous discussion of the ideas. It's just that, well, it just doesn't really work for me, and so I'll just get on making money and having a fun life. And Robert, those people who wear the atheist badge proudly, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to Christians sharing their faith and even engaging in the conversations about the issues that atheists often complain about, uh, this is something, I guess, that actually Christians aspire to and uh, enjoy that sort of engaging conversation. I know you do, but is it something you encourage others to get involved in? I think so. Well, it depends on your personality and um, it depends on who, how you're made. Uh, for me, engagement with atheists from the source, I think, is has been beneficial to my faith and I've it has been enriching and enjoyable. I've met some fascinating characters and people along the way. Um, but I think other, I mean, some people, you're also dealing with, uh, obviously issues and ideas that may make you feel uncomfortable. And I, I had felt, felt uncomfortable at different times in my own personal journey. Um, so I think that if you do, I, it is worthwhile engaging these, these questions, but you've also got to note two things. One, I think is that you're not alone. So it'd be good to have other Christians and other people helping you work through these issues and, and realize that and the other thing is, um, to realise that the Christian faith is true. <laughs> I think that a Christian who may be battling with these things, I've seen a number of Christians who have engaged with these types of thinkers and have in some ways given up the Christian faith because they've been persuaded, again, by what I think are often fairly unpersuasive, or sorry, not just weak arguments. Um, so in that sense, I think you, I do encourage people to engage um, uh the opposite, the opposing views fairly and, and thoughtfully. But I think you, for some people that would be more beneficial to their faith than others. Well, Robert Martin, great getting your insights as we get a 
checking of the pulse on what's happening with atheism in Australia. Certainly always appreciate your good wisdom, and we've spoken on a number of occasions before. Uh, Robert, I'll point people to the City Bible Forum. There are City Bible Forums in capital cities all around Australia. At this point, I think, except in Hobart, but simply no, Google... We have, we have a group in Hobart now as well. Well, we can tick the box there. Uh, well done. So uh, all the capital cities around Australia, simply Google City Bible Forum, and you'll find out how you can participate in the amazing array of events and topics that City Bible Forum talks about. Robert Martin, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us today on 2020. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.